This is Food First Michigan on 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Creating a food secure state. And by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome everyone and thanks for listening. Feeding America is the nation's largest anti-hunger organization. Our national office and network work to take hunger off the table for every child, senior, and family member who struggles with access to food. We work on, po- we work on the policy front and on distributing product to everyone in need. Collectively, we've made the commitment to serve every county in the United States. To do that, and certainly to do it with excellence, takes a network. Currently, Feeding America is 200 food banks strong, and seven of the best of them are here in Michigan. And through our network here in Michigan of 2,800 local pantries and partners, we serve every county in the Mitten and the Upper Peninsula. It's a big undertaking and a lot of work. The Chief Network Officer for Feeding America is Katherine Strickland. She is with us today, a food banker, a cyclist extraordinaire and a leader who helps lead America's food bank, Feeding America. She's our guest today on Food First Michigan. Welcome, everyone. As promised, Catherine Strickland joins us. She's the Chief Network Officer for Feeding America. Jerry, welcome, Catherine, to the show. You know what? It's so great to have Catherine. You know, she's been a food banker for a while and has a a great story to tell about her own handful of life that she's invested in this, and I can't wait to hear from her. Catherine, welcome to Food First Michigan. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jerry and Phil. I'm so delighted to be here. I've been looking forward to this for for quite a while. I'm excited to jump into the conversation. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I think you and I have, um, you know, uh, Jerry may have to interpret for the rest of the audience. We we share a little bit of an accent, I think, and um, there's an Alabama connection there. Uh, I read in your bio something I've got to ask you about as you tell us your story and, and how you become the, the chief network officer for Feeding America. There's, there, there's a cycling background here, and I don't mean just like casual riding either. You did tours, led tours everywhere from Yellowstone to Botswana. Uh, Botswana, I should say. I, I lived in Africa. I've been to Botswana. So I think we have a lot of connection points, and we're happy that you're here. So, Catherine, tell our audience, introduce yourself to our audience. Tell them how do you become the chief network officer for America's Food Bank? Uh, well, thank you so much, Phil, and I look forward to following up. I can't wait to learn more about your experiences in Africa. Well, my journey into food banking really started when I was with a nonprofit offering um, assistance to families facing homelessness. Hmm. Uh, And we actually became uh, an agency partner of our local food bank, the Food Bank of North Alabama in Huntsville, Alabama, so that we could have access to, to food supplies and, you know, other other 
you know, hygiene products um, in order to support the, the, the families um, that we were able to provide housing for. Um, and so it was there that I really began to learn what, what food banking was all about. Uh, and it was not too, uh, just a, a few months later, um, I actually became a volunteer at the food bank and, and served on a committee that was um, working in collaboration with a neighborhood. And we were interested to set up initiatives that would foster healthy food access um, as well as create jobs. Um, and we were working in collaboration with, with a community that had at one point had um, a, a grocery store that was black owned um, and unfortunately, during the um, urban renewal period, that whole swath of a, of a thriving um, African-American business center was um, purchased through eminent domain, um, and those businesses closed to, to make way for, for a roadway. And the community lost access to its um, grocery store. So we were um, coming together to, to see if, if um, what we could do to foster healthy food access um, and at the same time create economic opportunities. Um, and it was, it was through that, that volunteer effort um, that the, the food bank decided to invest in a position dedicated to those efforts. And I was lucky enough um, to join the food bank staff. Uh, and, um, and I was able to, to transition the, the nonprofit uh, affordable housing uh, organization. Um, we were able to, to merge that into a larger organization around the same time. So, so it worked out really well. Um, so that was my, my first introduction into food banking. Huh. How often we hear the story that someone visits a food bank and I think they get bit <laughs> by the by the mission and uh it it becomes where they want as jerry said wants to invest their one handful of life and um it's, it's pretty extraordinary um you know to see how often that that actually happens for people just adding one more thought you know and that is how food banks are so ingrained in their local communities. And I liked what you had to say about, you know, there were things happening in the community that that created an opportunity to do something different and something better and something that the community really needed. And so to start in this work in a pivotal role in really helping sure. the community, I don't know if recovers the right word, but but, you know, uh, make it through that part of their journey where a significant part of their community was impacted by something that that the greater community wanted to do. But here's a uh, real people who are affected, and so much of of what we do has has to do with the people that are affected by what's happening around them. Well, you think about the social determinants of health, and the name of this show is Food First, right? But it's probably housing second. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> you know, so it, it yeah. you know, that they, they work hand in hand together, and you can certainly see that in your story. You, you took the words right out of my mouth, Phil. That they definitely work hand in hand, um, and and just you know, creating access to these fundamental needs mm -hmm. that that every person needs in order to thrive. Right. Right. So, so you moved. You, you, you're now you're in your own staff at the food bank, 
and yeah. uh, and that that's in that's in North Alabama. That's around Huntsville. Mm-hmm. Uh, beautiful, exactly. Be- be- beautiful area of the country, I might add. Um, and and uh, and so now, what what happens next? Well, so this this was a brand new role at the food bank, and I actually my office was actually not at the food bank itself. Uh, I worked um, in in very close collaboration with the neighborhood association. So so my desk was actually housed in in their offices within huh. community. Wow. Um, and uh, as as time evolved, um, the uh, executive director at the time. Dick Hyatt uh, decided that he wished to retire, and um, he and the board worked together on um, a, a transition plan. And I had the the great privilege of um, being asked to, um, you know, consider consider the role of executive director, um, which, which I took very seriously. It was. At, for me at the time, it was really a, a, a daunting prospect. Um, it's, a, it's a tremendous amount of responsibility, so I have the, the utmost respect for, you know, all food bank CEOs because it, it, is, a, it is a weighty role. Um, and um, eventually, um, you know, Dick helped boost my confidence, and um Eventually, the, the board actually selected me for the position. And so I had the, the great joy of um, leading the Food Bank of North Alabama for several years during a really exciting time mm-hmm. when we were uh, charging full steam into deep collaboration with local farmers and, and helping local farmers sell fresh produce to school districts and distributors and grocery stores and uh, help the, the food bank evolve into not only being a distribution center for charitable food, but also um, helping deepen the connection with local farmers and, and uh, you know, supporting communities in, in that way and, and fostering healthy food access and in a, in a myriad of um, uh, opportunities. Well, I saw in your bio where farmers are your heroes. So yeah, yeah we're, we, we're going to have to unpack that. Let's, we're we're going to take a quick break here. That's Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. Our guest, Catherine Strickland, the Chief Network Officer for Feeding America. We're all three going to be back with you in just a moment. Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome back, everyone. Back with you, Catherine Strickland, our Chief Network uh, Officer for Feeding America, which is our national food bank. Right. Oh, and just to remind people, Feeding America is the organization that uh, puts into a network all of us food banks, not all, I suppose, but the large majority of food banks in the country, we serve every county in the United States, including Alaska and Hawaii. And Feeding America is the organization that helps us define that work a little bit better and, and share best practices and, you know, and really um, build a movement to end hunger in America, I would say, in short, right? There's so many other things that could be said, but uh, but it plays a really important 
important role in our life in Food First in Michigan because there's seven of us uh, who are members of Feeding America in Michigan, as well as the state association run by the ineffable Dr. Phil Knight. So uh, hmm. we are we are um, delighted to have you, Catherine. Tell us a little bit about now that I've kind of framed out a little about the network. What does the chief network officer do? What do you you know? What do you get up in the morning and say, "Yay, I get to do this"? Uh, great, Chris. Great question, Jerry. Uh, because it, I do wake up uh, really excited and just to be in this role every single day. Essentially, I serve as the a key liaison between the 200 member food banks from all all across the, the country, including Puerto Rico, and Feeding America's executive team, and and make sure that the the voice of food bankers, you know, who are who are working the front lines every single day, um, you know, is is represented in the the decision making. Of, of Feeding America as we look at the allocation of resources, as we look at um, where we want to dedicate Feeding America's uh, staff time um, so that, that we can make sure that there's alignment with what the, the needs are with, with where Feeding America is um, putting it, its, its time, resources, and energy. And I, I also just have the you know, tremendous joy in working with an, an incredible team where I, w- I would say that the through line is um, the, the different teams that were that were poured into the chief network officer all are focused on helping build the capacity of food banks a- across the country, hmm. um, whether that is um, a- assisting with uh, strategic food sourcing plans, um, to even um, in the in times of disaster, uh, helping food banks respond, um, and and ideally, you know, preparing, uh, it, it preparing um, in order to respond in times of disaster. So, so again, just that that through line of of capacity building. So, and just again to kind of frame, you know, how crazy that job is. <laughs> there are food banks that are you know one county wide. And, and, you know, have a, a small but really important population to serve in, in, you know, the middle of nowhere in some states. And there are other food banks that are full states wide and have all of the challenges that come with the, the logistical, you know, um, truths of having to figure out, you know, a much broader area and a much bigger population and everything in between. You also have blue states, you know, some super blue states, and you have red states, some deep red states, right? And so you have different points of view about what are the right approaches to this work. And so you've got this this massive difference in in available resources and in size and in in what that food bank is charged with by their own board of directors and politics and advocacy and all those differences and they all get packed and pushed and funneled into the role of the chief network officer congratulations (laughs) oh my god well i i think i think Catherine might be a victim of her own success you know Because in the last segment, we left where she had just become the director of the food bank in, in Alabama. And, and uh, evidently, 
you know, she did pretty good because <laughs> now she's the chief network officer and she has all this responsibility that you just talked about. So, wow, Catherine. Um, well, well, Jerry and Phil, um, I have to say that, that my, my time and roots in Alabama really motivate me and fuel me, you know, fuel my passion in this role of chief network officer. Because I, I am, uh, you know, I definitely come with the lens of working in a high need area with limited resources. And so, so Jerry, to your point, yes, there are many, many of our food bank members who um, are, are working under those circumstances um, in, in areas of the country where, you know, the, the resources are really tight and yet um, there is tremendous need, um, you know, particularly in terms of, of food insecurity. And so that's why I'm so passionate about this, this idea of, of building the capacity of our, of our member food banks um, and, and ensuring that, that we are, you know, working to meet the needs of any person facing hunger, no matter where they live. Uh, and uh, so that's, wow. um, you know, we, we take this, this approach of capacity building of, of meeting each food bank exactly where they are. And see, and, and, and each, each member food bank is, is the expert on their community and, and knows, you know, exactly, um, you know, how, how to best serve. And, and our role at Feeding America is to help lift up each member food bank's aspirations um, so that they, they, they can be fulfilled. Um, and, and so that means, you know, investing differently in, in each community in, mm -hmm. in partnership with, with each food bank. Um, in, in order to um, really meet those unique needs, but also leverage uh, those unique assets that, and strengths that each community has. And when you think about just how that cascades, right? I mean, in, in Michigan, you know, just to talk about how that cascades here. You know, we have seven member food banks and, and we're all quite different in terms of the communities we're working in and the amount of, of um, just acreage in, in our service area. I mean, from one food bank that has 40 of the 83 counties 80, yeah, in mm -hmm. Michigan and, and one food bank that has one county, right? And everything in between and and how, you know, we're we're working with our state association to coordinate those activities and and try to learn from each other that way but also we're a we're a state that has a lot of food and and mm -hmm. agriculture is huge in Michigan and so we have resources here that 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 we can probably share but but you don't just do that by accident you have to have a forum for those conversations where people that have more of those resources can try and figure out how to make the most of those and share that with the network so that those food banks that have really limited resources have an opportunity to do as much as they can do. And like you said, any, any person who is hungry deserves access to enough food to, to be food secure and to, to thrive in their life. So, Well, there's a couple of things there that Catherine talked about that I want us to pick up on the other side of the break. One is capacity building. One, The other is access that every person who needs food has access to food. So let's pick that up. She's Catherine Strickland. She's our chief network officer for Feeding America. And I, I, I don't know if this is the right tagline or not, but I think of it as America's food bank. It's our national organization. And we are 200 members plus strong. Uh, and we're feeding every 
person in every county that, that needs food across America. And Catherine has a huge role in that, so stay with us. She's going to come back and join Jerry Brisson and myself, Dr. Phil Knight. We're back in just a moment. Food first, Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. We're back with Catherine Strickland, the Chief Network Officer for Feeding America, Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here. And, and in the previous segment, um, Catherine, you talked about capacity building for food banks. And, you know, that's kind of like the microcosm of what state associations do. So we have Feeding America, exactly. the national organization, and then we have all of our member food banks, and those member food banks then choose to create a state association, which is where I work at the Food Bank Council for Michigan. And our job is, you know, our vision is how do we come alongside of our members and increase their capacity and how do we support this work so that we do get access, people get access to the food that they both want and need. So I think we share a similar vision. Mine's just a little smaller. You got all 50 states and Puerto Rico, you know, I got Michigan um, and, you know, I got Jerry. So it's... <laughs> <laughs> you I could, both got me, I hate I, I, to tell I, you. I, uh, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a cross some days, but we bear it well. Uh, no kidding. Well, Jerry, Jerry and his food bank are, of course, one of the most important members in the network and certainly... Um, here in southeast Michigan, where 43% of all the people in Michigan that are food insecure live in this area. So a tremendous responsibility for Jerry at Gleaners and Kirk at um, Forgotten Harvest, uh, for sure. So, well, look, I know Jerry's got burning top of the news, top of the mind questions here. So <laughs> let me give it back to him and, um, and Catherine, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think I think one of the things we need to talk about is we're we're coming up on a rugged time here, right? We're we're mm-hmm. looking at some pretty big challenges, and being that you're in touch with all kinds of people across the network, you know, what is your perspective on where we are right this second in terms of resourcing food banks? Yeah, I mean, Jerry, I think you said it that that we are anticipating uh, another challenging time. So while you know, we may be shift. The pandemic may be shifting to being endemic. Uh, there are, you know, tremendous challenges ahead for food banks. So, for, first of all, our access to food supplies um, is is diminished because of the the end of two two key federal programs. Um, and at the same time, the demand for for food assistance um, is still well above pre-pandemic levels. Um, due, due to inflation and other factors. And, and the same inflation that is impacting families day to day is also impacting the ability of food banks, um, their, their own purchasing power. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then, you know, there's also the, the, the end and rollback of um, several COVID-related supports that, that families were benefiting from that are now coming to a close um, exactly when when food, when families need it most due to the pressures of inflation. So it, in a way, it's it's an, it's another perfect storm. The the difference is this time though that the 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 national spotlight and, and even local media spotlights have moved on to other issues 
Um, and yet, you know, people are still facing hunger um, in, in, in tremendous numbers. Right. So, so I do see challenges ahead um, where, where I, I see the optimism is that, um, you know, food banks demonstrated what we are capable of with community support. Hmm. Um, and 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 the and really local communities rallying around individual food banks in order to um, respond to all kinds of um, forces beyond our control in order to make sure that 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 every child, every single, every senior, um, every, every person has access to to food needed to to survive and and ideally thrive. And, and I do see sort of in the future that that's where we're headed. Um, never before have we listened more closely to people facing hunger and, and brought in uh, their expertise so that we are not only efficient in the way that we're providing food access, we're, we're far more effective because, because it's, you know, the, the way that we are offering services are, are so acutely attuned to, to the needs of community members. And I, and I just see that accelerating even through the, the challenges to come. Yeah, I would agree. I think that that not only because the pandemic has has taught us some things that have that have helped us be stronger and better and and established new relationships with people that we've never had before. And of course, the more people you bring into the conversation, the more opportunity you have to learn. Right. And so we have learned a lot. We've also learned a lot in our relationship with the national organization and, and how we work best together to to implement local solutions, but with a national perspective on on you know how do you really have in in particularly our country which ought to be able to have a food secure country i mean there there's no economic reason that we shouldn't be able to do it True. but yet to say it and to do it are two different things one of my favorite little sayings is the less you know about a problem the easier it is to solve <laughs> and so we're learning more right and learning more makes things difficult because life is difficult and the challenges are difficult so so i agree we're coming up on a rough patch here and we're doing a lot to try to fix it i i uh i certainly i mean i don't know if you've got anything on the on the national front that that you that you can share with us at this point or if it's still a work in progress well i mean jerry i, I think i love it that you brought up learning um i mean one thing that we uh learned how to do in the pandemic is is really accelerate um the the learning across across the network of food banks so right. When, when one area of the, the country um, arrives upon a really innovative solution, we're able to lift that up and disseminate that very quickly to, to food banks all across the country. And, and I just see us um, doing that, that more and more. And, and that means that we are far more responsive, you know, as, as a national network. Um, you know, you, you brought up the point about um, who food banks are in relationship with. And I think, I think more and more uh, food bank leaders are asking, you know, who, who are we not in relationship with and should be? And there's this proactive um, outreach and relationship building that will make all the difference in not only the months to come, but the years to come. And, and I think that that will really fuel our ability 
to um, address the inequities that we see in the food system. You know, the fact that um, black communities are two to three times as likely to face food insecurity as, as white residents. Um, the, the fact that, that people living out in rural areas are reporting some of the highest rates of food insecurity in, in the country. I, I do truly believe with the, the skills and the nimbleness that, that we learned during the pandemic, we will be able to, to reduce these disparities you know, by, by race and place by half um, within the next decade. And, and I, I'm excited about our collective aspiration to achieve that. I, I heard that I heard that at our national uh, annual meeting at our national conference recently to reduce disparities in race and place within it by half in the next ten years, and that's the you know uh, I you know, I would say this that small dreams never uh, inspire anyone, and this is a big dream, and it in, it is very inspirational, so that I I love that. I love that. That's a great place to stop right there, Catherine. Um, it's been a joy to have you with us, and uh, that is a that is a goal and a vision that is worth pursuing. So thank you for being with us, and um, we're we're excited about this work together nationally here in Michigan and uh, all across uh, this great land that we live in. So th- thank you for being with us. Thank you, Jerry and Phil. Um, you all are um, just tremendous partners, and uh, I, I am in awe of what you all have accomplished in Michigan, you know, particularly over the last 20, 20 months. Uh, I, I mean, truly, you all um, batted down obstacle after obstacle that, that was um, unexpected and uncertain, and you know, during this time, you know, this really, really dark time, we're able to not only keep the food banks open, but ramp up um, your your distribution and services. And um, it's really just a, a remarkable uh, accomplishment that that benefited residents all across Michigan. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, it's our pleasure. She's Kathleen Strickland. She's the Chief Network Officer for Feeding America. Jerry and I are back to wrap up this edition of Food First Michigan in just a moment. We're back. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight, wrap up this show. That was Kathleen Strickland, the Chief Network Officer. Man, that's a big job. It is a big job. And, you know, nice to have a couple of Feeding America top people to talk about the the work that they do. It takes so much effort to make you know, big system changes, right? And we know we have to make big system changes. The the um the urgency around making sure that kids and communities thrive is what drives us all. Mm-hmm. But it's not simple. There's a lot of parts of this conversation that are important and feeding america has grown in their voice and in their capacity so that they can help focus us on some key elements at least of what it's really going to take if we want to have a hunger-free community which is of course what we want and so nice to have amy 
and Catherine, uh, both you know, right here, right in front of us, uh, and and fantastic to get their perspective on the things they're working on. So, Jerry, maybe take us a little walk down memory lane here, because you know, I think people will will forget that food banks are really not that old. Yeah, and, about mean, a generation, right? right yeah. One generation old, me. You know, so the 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 idea behind food banking started really in the '60s, but it didn't come to significant fruition until the late '70s. You know, right. so between the late '60s and the late '70s, there were people doing some things and trying to put this together, and and fundamentally, people were really upset about food going to waste. And you know, if you go back just a little bit further. 1956 was the year that that tractors outnumbered horses and mules on farms in America. So, you know, why didn't we have food banks sooner? Because there wasn't consistent food mm. surpluses until we had the fertilizer and the technology so the to industrialization make that of agriculture absolutely right it made a huge difference and and so you know you you have now of course we're going through some supply chain challenges but remember mm. the population of the world is a lot bigger too sure right I mean so so all that to say um, food banking isn't that old but it could not really have formed earlier. Right. It wasn't until there was enough food to make all these logistics meaningful that food banking made sense. But, of course, as we became the logistics arm for all of these organizations and volunteers who are trying to feed our hungry neighbors, we have become leaders in many, many different aspects of that work, not just in logistics, but in really taking all the stories that we have from our thousands of partners collectively, just in Michigan alone, and and learning from and telling those stories um, so that we can deepen and broaden our awareness of what does it really take to help communities thrive. Well, and I think that it's important to note that Feeding America is really uh, kind of, you know, state associations like the Food Bank Council um, that, that represent our members, our seven Feeding America food banks. We really have two hats to wear. And, and one is that you know, we're we're a membership organization, right? We have seven members, uh, the seven Feeding America food banks. And our job is, as Catherine said in the show, is to help build those members' capacity to do this work. But then there also have a role, a, a larger role, a more public role, I would say, in, in, in doing policy work that affects the families that we serve. And so I think that, you know, we're both a membership organization and we're a movement. Yeah. And and how do we how do we, you know, keep the balance in that? And, you know, all the work that we do benefits the mission of creating food security. And sometimes that mission, that work directly impacts the members by helping them build their capacity, get food funds and other things to them. But I think it's just nice to know that there is a national organization that is leading this work in both both in member services and also in policy work that affects the overall goal. Well, I look forward to seeing the people from Feeding America. Every time we get together, they they have a lot of wisdom, they have a lot of deep thinking. 
they and again it, from from all the conversations they have across the country and really really smart people who are involved in this work um, they help us be better and of course we need to be better so you know it, it keeps us humble to talk to smart people and uh, that's not all bad it's not all good but it's not uh, all bad well <laughs> one of the reasons we think this problem is solvable because of there are so many smart people like Catherine who want to see this work um, accomplish that mission. Yeah, and and that is so true, and we keep learning from them all, and so do you, our dedicated listeners. We really appreciate you being with us to hear these stories and to learn as we learn. How are we going to get this done? Yeah, I think I think that there are, you know, thinking back about how food was in surplus, and then the main one of the main tenets of our work is food safety. I, I think that those two things came together. And, and as you said, I think you said it very well that it, it wasn't time for Feeding America yet. And then it was. And now here we are. And we're, we've made a lot of progress in just, four, just over 40 years in yeah. this work. Yeah. Time for a little food for thought. Small dreams inspire no one. And I'm convinced that dreams rarely come to committees, boards, or large groups. The vision for a better tomorrow comes to an individual, a leader, who then finds others of like mind, and together they build what is necessary to make things better. Walt Disney said it's kind of fun to do the impossible, but it was the iconic actress Katherine Hepburn who said, nothing is impossible. The very word says, I'm possible. And with enough of us working on the same dream of a food-secure state and nation, we can do the seemingly impossible and realize the dream by keeping food first, folks. Food first. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.